You're listening to a Share Radio podcast. A pension crisis. It's horrendous. Threatening with debt collectors and the bubble that's going to cause financial havoc. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. What in the world is happening on Wall Street? The down traders are standing there watching in amazement. I don't blame them. We have to be strong. Come on, think of the listeners. They depend on you. Okay, Glenn, I'll try and hold it together. Yes, for the listeners. For the listeners. So, dear listeners, you have stuck with us through thick and thin. Through good times and bad. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health insurance. Till the final test, us do part. The final test? Yeah, at the end of the episode, we implore you to interface with cyberspace and take the final test on the Share Radio website. This test holds the key to your Open University certificate, which is in and of itself a key to unlock the doors of your future progress and prosperity. So it's a key which unlocks another key which unlocks yet another key? Yes. It's a mystery within an enigma within a conundrum. (laughs) But Glenn, how am I supposed to pass this test? I can't remember every single thing I've learned throughout these 16 episodes. I'm not some kind of machine. I poo-poo this test. Don't poo-poo the test. Poo-poo! This test is pure humbug and I am not taking it. Annie, you need to change your ways and to remember quite how much you have learnt. And to this end, Annie, during this episode, you will be visited by three spirits from the financial realm. Three spirits? But how am I supposed to recognise these apparitions? They all just happen to look and sound exactly like me. Okay, right. So when will I meet this first spirit? You have already met him. For I, Annie, I am the ghost of finance past. Somebody give me strength, please. Ooh, it's time, Annie, to go back through the swirly, whirly wists of time right. and face up to your behaviour in previous episodes. Ooh. It's so annoying. Every time I would be a millionaire by now, the tax man didn't know his Here we go. Is this going to take long? So then, what is the point? That doesn't seem very fair. No way, Jose. So dull and boring and complicated. Is that how I was in previous episodes? I'm afraid so, Annie. Petulant, truculent, succulent. What? Succulent? I couldn't find anything else to rhyme with truculent. But once you started learning, you started to change. (laughs) Yeah, like a financial chameleon. Yes, the metamorphosis was almost imperceptible at first, but it started gathering pace. You started changing as a person. 
Time to introduce our simple financial model. Stage one, assess the situation. Stage two, decide on a financial plan. Are there lots of stages? <laughs> There's four stages. Okay, Is that too many for No, you? it's fine. Sorry, carry on. You can deal with four. Yeah, four. Good. Fine. Stage three, act on the plan. Stage four, review the plan. Like Fagin. Fagin? You know, like Fagin, uh, Oliver Twist's kindly mentor. Is Fagin the best financial role model, though? You know, these days they put unpleasant labels on people, like gangmaster. <laughs> That's exactly what he was. Fine. He cared for those boys. He did not care for those boys. They're all dirty. Do you see their little faces? I'm reviewing the situation. Have I budgeted enough to buy a flat? All my trials and tribulations. Will it be big enough for me to swing a cat? I've moved savings to high interest accounts and major. All my checks don't bounce and send my boys to raise some cash by stealing jewelry I can stash. But though I try, you see house prices go sky high for me. I think I better think it out again. Glenn, of course, I've forgotten how crucial the financial planning model is. With the model providing the backbone to my decision-making processes, I can get past all the reluctance and negative thinking that stops me making sensible financial decisions. That's right, Annie. But even with the model to guide you, there are still many paths you can take that will lead you astray. You need to stay aware of all the psychological pitfalls that await you. Remember how we learned about that all the way back in episode two? Oh, yeah. Would you prefer, for example, £100 today or £110 in two years' time? Two years' time for a tenor interest? I'm definitely, I am taking that £100 and running with it. Of course, I remember this. Our emotions sometimes cause us to behave irrationally when we make money decisions. Exactly. So we might prefer a bit of money today, to loads of money next week or even next year. And we might also prefer to do nothing than to take any action, which is why so many people leave their money in savings accounts, which make practically zero interest, instead of moving their money somewhere better. Yes, so many pitfalls. But if you're aware of them, it's much easier to check yourself and say, hang on, I'm about to make a big mistake here. Now, back in episode three, we learned all about inflation and about the difference between income and wealth. Yeah. Income, first of all, that's the money you earn. It's a flow. It flows into your bank account at regular intervals, hopefully. Income, it's incoming. So it's the money you get paid from your job each month, right? Yeah, exactly. That's called earned income. But there's another type of income. It can be interest that you get from your savings or dividends, the money that you get paid by companies that you own shares in. And then you've got wealth. Wealth is a stock of assets. It's how much you've got at any given moment. Now, high income, high wealth, they both kind of say the same thing to us when we just hear them casually. What, what do they say to you? High they, income, high wealth. They say rich people. Ah, yeah, so the income side of your budget is all the money that you've got coming in earnings rather than assets like jewellery. Yes, Annie, it's all coming back to you now. Mm -hmm. 
it's all coming back. I loved budgeting. How could I forget the joy that it's brought me? Well, that's why the ghost of finance past <gasps> is here to jog your memory. And don't forget when you're budgeting that as well as all the factors you can influence, like how much you spend and how many hours you work, mm. there are also some external factors that you can't influence, like changes in the tax levels. And those factors can throw you a googly from time to time. Oh, the tax woman. Yes, the tax woman. She takes VAT on things we buy, inheritance tax when we die, stamp duty when we buy a home, capital gains tax on profits on things we own. Does she just take money on things that rhyme? Generally. Whatever she gets hers, all right. But while we complain about taxes, don't forget how they paid for all your favourite things. EU commissioners and bank bailout losses Gold-pleated pensions for bureaucrat bosses Benefits cheaters and quangocrat kings These are a few of my favourite things When the crunch strikes, when the tax stings When I'm feeling sad I simply remember my favourite things And then I don't feel Now, remember how income tax is quite a progressive tax on our earnings. Do you remember about that? Oh, yeah. So we pay very little if we're not earning much. And we then pay a much bigger percentage of our earnings once we start earning more. So what if I was earning, say, 30 grand a year? Okay, so you'd get your tax-free allowance, which in recent years has been around £10,000. In fact, in the tax year 2014 to 15, it was exactly £10,000. Get you. (laughs) So you just pay basic rate income tax on the money you earn above that at 20%. So in this case, it would be £20,000 that you're earning above that level. You pay 20% on that, which would be £4,000 in that tax year. £30,000 earnings isn't enough to pay any higher rate tax. But don't forget... You'd also have to pay a few grand in national insurance, too. Oh, yeah, that sneaky tax nobody ever notices or talks about. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's move forward through the swirling mist of time to episode seven. Let's talk about debt. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about debt. Let's talk about debt. Let's talk about debt. Huge debts. Ah, debts. We're up to our eyeballs in them here in the Western world. Indeed. So it makes sense to know your variables from your fixed interest loans. So in general, you take out a fixed rate loan if you don't want to take the risk of interest rates rising and your loan costing you more. You get a variable rate if you don't mind the risk or you're convinced interest rates aren't going up anytime soon. And don't forget cap and collar. I still don't want to play your creepy games, Glenn. Wow. The capped rate is the one where your rate can move down, but not above a certain level. And the collar is where the rate can move between two levels, but not above or below certain specified points. Um, I knew that. And after borrowing, we then moved on to saving. And investment. I need you to face your worst fear. I don't want to face my worst fear. You must, Annie. Speak its name. I can't. You can. Say it. That's it. Yes, Annie, keep going. Yes, Annie, you've done it! Investment. 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 When I say it out loud, it doesn't sound so scary after all. That's right, Annie. There's nothing to be afraid of. 
That's right. You got me over my phobia. Thanks for that, Glenn. Investments don't have to be scary. No. You just have to be aware of how much risk you're taking on. If you want to put away your money safely, you just stick it into a savings account or maybe a cash ISA where the interest is tax-free. But then if you're willing to take more of a risk for hopefully more reward, there are gilts and corporate bonds and funds and individual shares, all with varying degrees of risk. You're starting to sound just like me. (laughs) I've created a monster! how sweet and naive I was back when I was absolutely terrified about getting a mortgage. Oi, I do the flashback sequence stuff, not you. Button it. before you corrupted me with your financial knowledge. Corrupted you? I treated you like a daughter, talking you through the household balance sheet, making (sighs) sure you added up all your assets and subtracted your liabilities to calculate your net worth. And what is my net worth, eh, Glenn? Is my worth just a series of columns of credits and debits, or is a person worth more than just numbers on a balance sheet? You say saving. And you say spending. I say borrowing. And I say lending. Saving, spending, borrowing, lending. Let's call the whole thing off. You say you don't want to save in an ISA. You say you would pay for my can of Tizer. ISA. Tizer. Waster. Miser. Let's call the whole thing off. Oh, Annie, you were naive. And you were innocent. But I only wanted to help you protect yourself from the inevitable financial storms that will rage around you should you leave your finances to the vagaries of chance. I suppose you only have my best interest rates at heart. Maybe I've lost a little of my hedonistic lifestyle, but I'll be grateful when I'm 87 and toasty warm in my own home. OK, Glen Spirit, take me back to the pensions and insurance episodes. Come on, Annie, let's face it, you know all this stuff now. <laughs> Just humour me, Glenn, for old time's sake. OK. As everyone lives longer these days, aren't they going to be raising the state pension age? Yep, they're trying to do it gradually, but the bottom line is, by the time you're in your 60s, Annie, I would guess you probably won't be able to claim the pension until you're 70, perhaps even older. Oh, that's so unfair, they're going to keep moving the goalposts, so I'll just be chasing the pension forever. Yeah, you're going to be 85 and say, Oh, just one more year. I could start claiming it next year. I'm sure of it. The problem is, when they invented the pension, most people died shortly after claiming it, so it didn't cost that much. But they didn't realise people were going to spend perhaps a third of their lives claiming it in the future because we're living so long. So now they've started raising the pension age to save the government money. 
Grr. But for people <laughs> retiring now, does everyone get the same state pension then? No, the amount varies depending on how much national insurance you've paid over the years. Mm. In other words, how many years of work you've put in. You have to work for a few decades at least before you qualify for the full state pension. But again, they keep changing the rules on eligibility, I'm afraid. And that's all assuming there even is still a state pension when you retire. Oh, this is just so depressing. What do I do, Glenn? What do I do? Don't despair, Annie. You're young enough to build up your own decent pension for retirement. Well, there's defined benefits schemes and there's defined contributions. With defined benefits, often called final salary or average salary schemes, when you retire, you get paid a percentage of your salary every year until you die. And that percentage depends on how many years you work for the company or organisation and, of course, how much you were earning. And defined contribution is when you pay some of your earnings into a fund and perhaps your employer and the government contribute too. And the size of your eventual pension depends on how much is put into this pension pot and how successfully the pot is invested. Perfect, Annie. I'm so proud. <laughs> Thank you. And finally, insurance. Annie, you do the honours. Goodness knows you've earned it. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you. Now, this is my issue with insurance, because you can get insurance for a whole variety of things. And isn't it really just playing on people's fears and also that tragedy is going to strike them at any second, so they better part with their money each month or else? So you're saying that it kind of makes people irrational because it terrifies them into buying something that they don't necessarily need? Yeah. You know, I've got to admit, there is a germ of truth in what you're saying here. That sometimes that can be the case. There are some unscrupulous operators out there trying to persuade you to buy policies you don't necessarily need. But in general, there is a rational purpose to insurance and that purpose is the pooling of risk. One thing that we should quickly mention is gender law. It only changed a few years ago, but it used to be the case that because women were generally safer drivers than men, they used to be able to get cheaper premiums. But the European Union had a thing or two to say about that. They said that was sexist. Oh. And I'm inclined to agree with them. Tell you what you would. Now, health insurance is something I know you're interested in getting at some point, Annie. The big danger here is in the many exclusions you tend to get with policies. So there's always the chance that if you're diagnosed with something, it might not be covered under your policy, particularly if you have some kind of history of that condition before you even took out the policy. And premiums tend to rise each year as you get older and more infirm. But the good news is you can still fall back on the NHS, even if you've got private health insurance. Car insurance is compulsory, so nearly everyone with a car takes out a policy. Buildings and home contents insurance are very popular too, because if your home burns down and you're not insured, you would be ruined. Other types of insurance, like life insurance and travel insurance, are much less popular, but can still be useful as you're pooling your risk with other people. And here endeth the lesson. The ghost of finance past has done his job. We've been through the entire course. It's time for you to meet the ghost of finance present. Am I right, Mum? Where, where is he then? Here. Here I am. What? I told you, all three ghosts look and sound like me. And what have you to show me of the present, oh spirit? Well, just this, really. This is it. The present. Right now. Ah. Do, do you like it? Oh, right. Uh, that's it, then. Great. Um, shall we then move on to the future, perhaps? Should we? Yeah, might as well. More interesting? Yep. Yeah. 
Okay. On we go. I am the spirit of things not yet come to pass. Now you are the ghost I have most feared. Show me what my financial knowledge will bring me in the future. Lead on, spirit. Hello? Yes. Sell Google at 85 and buy Apple at 60. Yes, buy all of Apple. And the first thing I want you to do is to tear down that statue of Steve Jobs at Apple headquarters and replace it with a statue of me. Hello, Miss Weston. Yes, what do you want, Goodman? Uh, um, you sent for me. Oh, yes. I want you to buy Tesco and Sainsbury and then instigate a price war to destroy both companies and sack everyone. Don't look so confused, Goodman. Obviously that will force everyone to shop at Westerns. Well, hike up prices by 500% and the people will have no choice but to pay the piper. Simple, but brilliant. What about all the workers? What about all the workers? What about all the workers? Oh, spare me the violins, Goodman. Now get out and do my bidding. Miss Weston? Are you still here? It's just... I I was just wondering if I could have the day off tomorrow. No, you can't! But it's just that it's... Well, it's Christmas Day. I hate Christmas. It's a load of humbug. Tell everyone they're to work an 18-hour shift tomorrow or they're all sacked. Oh! Oh! Oh, my heart! I just felt a sharp... Ah! Oh, dear. Miss Weston's died. I'd better inform the board of directors. Yes, she's definitely dead. Oh, well, we'll have to auction off all her assets and give the proceeds to the home for lame donkeys. No, anything for that! No, that can't be my future. Spirit, tell me, are these visions of things that must be or are they only visions of one possible future? Annie, the future is not yet written. It is for you to write the book of your own writings. Oh, good. Well, from now on, I will only use my new financial knowledge for good. I will harness the managing my money tools at my disposal and use them to forge a better future for myself and for others. Hurrah! What a happy ending. Ah, so that's that then. I can't believe it, Glenn Goodman. I just can't. Oh, we've done all 16. We've done all 16 and I'm fully clued up. You know what you're ready for now, don't you? What? The final test! The final test! You're going to get your certificate, Annie. So close, I can almost touch it. I can almost smell it. I can sniff it. What does it smell of? Smells of money. (laughs) Smells of my future. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for listening to Managing My Money. Thank you. Every single one of you. I want to thank Martin Upton and the team at the Open University who kicked off the whole Managing My Money movement. Yeah. I want to thank the good folks at Share Radio, Gavin Oldham, Donald Leggett. Take a bow. I want to thank you, Annie Weston. Thank you, Glenn. You're great. You are I want to thank the pennies. Oh, Mr. Penny. Oh, Mrs. Penny. I want to thank the bungling robbers. No, Bell. Oh, they always got their comeuppance. I want to thank David Ricardo Pierce, the genius behind so many of the special characters you've come to know and love. No, Ben. (laughs) Get online. Shareradio.co.uk. 
and do that final test. Get your statement of participation certificate and don't keep it to yourself. Share it with the world. Share it. Tweet us here at at Glenn Goodman. And show us a photo of yourself holding your certificate proudly. That's kissing it. Thank you all for taking part in managing my money. I know it's been a long road, but I hope you've had as much fun as we have. Haven't we had fun? We've had a lot of fun. Yeah. Fun. Fun diddy fun fun. Fun diddly umptious. And you know, if life is ever getting you down, try and wear a smile. Don't wear a frown. Turn on your dial to managing my money. What, even if the first time round you didn't find it funny? Yeah, because it's funnier the second time round. Time to say goodbye. No, don't. It's true. We've got to say goodbye now, Glenn. All right. We've got day jobs. (laughs) (laughs) It's got a train to catch. All right. Bye, Annie. Bye, Glenn. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Good luck. (laughs) 